Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hi, Feisties. I've noticed that we have some new listeners these past few weeks, and I just want to say welcome and thank you for being here. I hope that you will find these episodes helpful, um, either in a way that directly supports your physical and mental health or your journey of ongoing learning and growth. If we can do one or both of those things, I think our time together and our, our time with our guests as well has been well spent. I also want to say if anyone has suggestions for guests or topics that you'd like covered here, please send them my way by emailing me directly at Sarah, S-A-R-A, no H, at livefeisty.com. I have two producers for the show. They are called Millie and Carrie, and one of them will make sure that we get that email address in the show notes so that you can reach me if you do have suggestions. Okay, so we have a fun episode this week. My guest is a pool free diver from Australia called Jordan or Jordy Duncan. Jordy is a four time national Australian record holder and was Australian national free diving champion in 2022. So she knows what she's doing underwater. I've always had like this fascination with free diving, partially just because holding your breath for as long as they do is insane and I wanted to understand how they do it. And also because I kind of had an assumption that free diving must provide some sense of calm and control over oneself and that there must be a meditative aspect to the sport. And I was super curious about that. Jordi unpacks this for us and is also very open about what freediving does for her mental health and how her love for the sport helped her overcome a severe eating disorder and alcoholism. I hope that you all will find her story relatable. I certainly did. In particular, the way that sport functions in her life as an outlet to help her calm her what sounds like an extremely active mind. I found Jordy through one of our longtime Feisty Partners, Orca Sportswear, and I just wanted to take a minute to thank them as well. Orca first approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona in 2018 because they were launching some new women's lines and wanted to make sure they were getting things right for the actual female athletes. Orca makes wetsuits and other swim gear across all kinds of different sports, from triathlon, surfing, open water swimming, and free diving. And I know that one of their goals is not just to like shrink the men's designs and call them women's, but to really do the proper research and development to make sure their women's suits are for women. So big shout out and appreciation to Orca. So thanks again for being here and let's chat with Jordy. 
Hey, Jordy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited too. You know, free diving, like I was just saying to you before we started recording, like free diving is something that I've always been kind of super curious about and have never done. So I'm very excited to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, if I'm perfectly honest, I had never even heard of free diving until two and a half years ago. So oh wow. The fact that you've heard about it and you know about it, it's good. Cool. Okay. Well, we can learn together then. Um, so for our audience, what is freediving? So I guess when people think of freediving, they first think about either like a platform over a pool diving or um, their mind immediately goes to the ocean depth. Um, but freediving is actually just simply being underwater, holding your breath without a breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. So that could be in the ocean or in the pool. Um, and I guess there are two main, um, types of free diving. There is depth Uh and then there's, and then there's pool, which is either for distance. So the number of laps you can do in a pool on one breath or for time. So you're basically still floating on the surface face down, holding your breath. I see. And you do the pool versions. Am I right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, um, Australia doesn't have the best conditions for training depth. Um, and it's also, it's quite challenging to be able to train and compete in both. There's, there's a few elite athletes now that are, that are doing both and they're at the top of both. Um, but yeah, in Australia, we don't, we just don't have that depth. We've got sharks, we've got not oh. great visibility. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to go down there. You know, <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So how did you figure out you were good at this? I mean, were you a swimmer who just kind of realized that you could hold your breath for a long time? Like what's, what's your story? Yeah. So I was a swimmer, a competitive swimmer when I was younger up until I was 15 and then I quit and I was so burnt out. Um, and I just, I really resented the pool that I didn't swim another lap for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then just after my 30th birthday, I don't know what it was at that point in time, but I just, I felt like it was time to get back in the water. I felt like I'd, um, like I wasn't holding on to that stuff anymore. And so I got back in the pool and started swimming, you know, just recreationally. Uh, I was just, sorry, I was just going to ask as you were talking there and, and we'll go back to, sorry, what you were saying, but um, you said let go of that stuff. Was that kind of like some baggage from swimming? Yeah, so um, I when I, I guess swimming for me, like I, I was a swimmer. That's that's who I felt that I was, and that's what people knew me as. And then when I quit, you know, I was at a really vulnerable age, fifteen, female, and I I lost my sense of identity, and I didn't know like. Up until that point, my life was wake up, train, go to school, train, homework, eat, bed, repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was very lost. And then I also going through puberty gained quite a lot of weight, um, not having had to really worry about um, controlling my portion sizes before or whatever because I was training so much. Um, so, From then, I started developing disordered eating patterns, um, anxiety, just really low self-esteem, all of that stuff. Um, And so from about 20 to 30, I would say, um, I struggled with quite severe bulimia and um, I was drinking a lot, like every day. Mm. So 
yeah, a lot of stuff and I blamed um, swimming, I guess, and the pool on those things. Um, you know, as an adult now, I can, you know, rationalise and, you know, I know that it's got to do with my personality type, my genes, the environment I grew up in, the, you know, the people I had around me, all sorts of different things. But when I was going through that time, um, yeah, it was it was swimming that that caused that for me. Well, yeah, and we talk we're off script here, but I I, I like that. Um we we talk a lot about that on this podcast because I think like almost all of our guests who are athletes have had some kind of and myself included have had some kind of like disordered eating, eating disorder along the way to being an elite athlete or um like you said like after being an elite athlete. Um yeah, so you were saying that you found your but sometimes sport can help us like find our way back or whatever is that is that what free diving did for you absolutely like I would even go as far as to say that it's been a lifeline for me Mm -hmm. um so how I found out about free diving I went on a date with a guy and we both um figured out we had a lot in common both from Townsville both swimmers by background and I'd just done a scuba diving certification and he said well if you can, you know, if you love scuba and you're a swimmer, you should try freediving. And I was like, what is this thing called freediving? And it turned out that he has a business, a freediving school. So I did a course with my stepdad and I just, I loved it. So you do one day in the pool and then one day in the ocean. And it just felt like, it felt like I'd never left the water. It felt like I was meant to be there. And, um, yeah, as soon as I finished my course, I um, started researching whether there were any clubs that trained in Brisbane where I'm based, mm-hmm. and there's two, so I joined both. I'm a dual member. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the rest is history, I guess you could say. Yeah, do you find that the culture of, of free diving, you know, in those clubs that you joined at that time, are they are they pretty inclusive, or was it was there less pressure there than you felt when you were swimming as a like as a young person? Yeah, like. I think even in the even in the two years that I've been freediving, a lot's changed. It's progressed a lot. Um, but definitely when I started, I would say it was almost like a hack sport. Like there were maybe one or two um, Aussie freedivers who had been doing freediving for a long time, one in particular, um, and she's very good, very good at it. But other than that, people just kind of would come and go at training or didn't and and still people are still working out what the best training routine is um for freediving performance Mm. but yeah definitely like we don't have um a coach on the side you know go 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 or you know on your back which I actually think would be a good thing for me I think it'd be a good motivation to have someone um you know pushing me but yeah, as I was reading a little more about freediving this morning, one of the things that kept coming up was around mental health and how it's something that people do tend to do for their mental health. Have you found that there's a connection there? And what do you think that is? Yeah, for sure. So people freedive for a lot of different reasons. Um, so there's obviously there's the competitive side of things. Then there's um, like those who enjoy the ocean and want to dive to see the marine life. Um, we've got a lot of um, spear fishermen and women who mm-hmm. come and they want to improve their breath hold for spear fishing. Mm-hmm. And then there's those that 
do it for the relaxation um, and the mental benefits side of things. Um, and I definitely think for me personally, so I'm, I don't know, you might notice, but um, I'm pretty fast paced. Um, I like I struggle with anxiety still um, mm-hmm. day to day. But when I'm freediving training and I'm in the moment, my, I'm just I'm fully focused on that, what, what I'm doing in that present moment. And it's, it's the only thing for me, like I've tried other things, you know, I can't even, I kind of read, I can't even read a book and fully get um, engaged in the book or like coloring in or anything. There's nothing like it. Mm, I love that. I bet it could help so many people. I do. I started doing cold, um, cold therapy cold immersion and I find I mean there must be some we're gonna ask about your training in a minute but I find that has the same um overlap for me it's like just and and with cold therapy I was listening to a podcast this morning that where um, it was Andrew Huberman who was saying that like actually you know who I mean I love yeah he's great (laughs) yeah amazing and like he was saying how it's some of it is just about the putting yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable for longer and longer periods of time. And I can imagine, like I saw on your Instagram, for example, that you can hold your breath for six minutes, like talk about putting, making yourself uncomfortable. Um, yeah. How did you, like, how did you learn to do that? Um, I think so. I guess I started at a pretty good point. Um, I think in my course, I did a four minute breath hold and the instructor stopped me then because it's a beginner course. So you're not allowed to do any longer than that. So I, yeah, I guess I was starting swimming, swimming background was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know. I remember like, so static, static apnea was the discipline that I first started. And that that's the one where you're still and you're floating face down for, for time. And, um, it was like my favorite part of my week, you know, I'd go at the end of the day after work and I would just look forward to it. And it was my, you know, few minutes of just me time and my happy place. And that was how I associated statics. It was my happy place. Um, and then I guess I just like you train for it, right? There's, so there's, um, training CO2 tolerance and then there's O2 tolerance and you can train for both. It's um, a little bit different. So um, I was fortunate that I could, when I, when I was very new, um, st- I started training with um, a, a partners that had been freediving for a little while and they had a program. So I kind of jumped on the back of that. This is before I got my own coach. Um, but I did, I did struggle at the start. I would say in my first year of freediving, coming from a swimming mindset where you you push and you push and you, mm. you push until you got nothing left so in my mind I knew that physically my muscles had the ability to do this distance that I wanted to do and you know like I could do it in training or like the time that I wanted to do but then um, because I was still struggling with bulimia at the time as well and free diving you you can't just it's not just your body that you've got to rest, but your, um, your nervous system and your mind. Mm -hmm. So I learned the hard way. Um, I had a couple of blackouts in competitions early on Mm -hmm. and yeah, I realized pretty quickly that if I wasn't healthy and didn't get my um, health on track, then I I wasn't going to be able to perform to the best of my ability and free diving. And it was really frustrating and upsetting for me because 
quite often I'd be doing these times and distances in training where I was, I guess, more relaxed and then come to a competition environment where I had this heightened level of stress and anxiety. So yeah, I had to, I I had to um, change my, um, my lifestyle. Wow. Okay. So you you just said there you black, you blacked out a couple times and is that and I can totally see the connection there between like under eating bulimia the, the alcohol like you said how did you overcome that bulimia how did you or, or did you yeah so like um I would say I say recovery from eating disorders is possible, but I'm not sure that the neural pathways ever go away. So what I mean by that is like it's always an option, whereas for someone who's never struggled with an eating disorder or any kind of addiction, I would compare it to they when they're in a stressful um, situation or whatever it is, they have a default to go f- to do something else that is not take drugs alcohol or restrict eating or overeat and then get rid of it kind of thing um so I guess um the turning point for me what was this these consecutive blackouts that I was having and I just I loved freediving so much and I really wanted to see what my potential was but I knew and I and I had people around me you know worried and my family so my family saw my first blackout at a competition and they were mortified they couldn't understand why I would want to do this sport Mm -hmm. um and also my coach um my coach Semo Urenko he knew from the beginning when he took me on that I was struggling with this and he is he's the best thing that I did he is just so um strict on like my rest I have to have two rest days and that's non-negotiable and like he's always reminding me about getting enough sleep and eat like eating healthy is the most important thing mm-hmm. and then um I guess the key thing that that changed for me or like an opportunity that I was given was my mom and my stepdad um offered for me to move in with them for a couple of weeks because I was moving into a new apartment with a friend um mm-hmm. in like a month's time and we knew how difficult that was going to be for me going from the lifestyle that I had to living with someone else and either continuing that lifestyle or trying on my own to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those few weeks with my mum and my stepdad were like I just can't thank them enough. Um, just just having people there, um, just having that support and I think the third day was like the toughest day and I had headaches um, and just, yeah, they were there and they were cooking me healthy meals and it just, it really broke that cycle for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So having other people that care about you around you, helping break the cycle, you mentioned earlier about rewiring the neural pathways, like other things that you would actively do to try to create new neural pathways or healthier ones? Yeah, I guess, um, well, like freediving for me is, is that it's, I know that I can't, I can't do what I was doing and then go and train in the pool. I I can't like, it's just, it's kind of a waste of a session because I know now, I know now and I'm smart enough not to push past my limits. So I don't, mm-hmm. um, but then I'm not, I'm not giving a hundred percent. So what's the point? Right. 
So it's really for you, like that really sounds, it was about having goals that you and things that you wanted to do, you know, that you weren't going to be able to do if you continued with those habits. Yeah, Um, for sure. That's fantastic. What is, you know, um, what is it, what does the training actually look like for free diving? I know you're a pool free diver. Um, and I read a bit about uh, like some of the elite athletes, what their training looks like. It's quite, um, impressive. What does your training look like? So yeah, it, um, it's like a combination of gym and pool training. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm training only five days a week with the two rest days and then like the number of sessions that I'm doing and the, the kind of split between pool and gym depends on, I guess, how far out from a competition or a, or a peak period. Um, yeah, so that, that split will depend on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned before also like CO2 and O2 training. So the training for um, to build up your CO2 tolerance is like a lot of short rest stuff. Um, sp- yeah, sprints with short rest. Um, high volume, and then the O2 stuff, as you get closer to competitions, you'll start doing the longer dives, longer rest, less, you know, volume in the training. So you kind of periodize it like that. Right. And does it, when you say you have two days off, do you do a three-day training block and then a day off and then a two-day training block and a day off? Um, What am I doing at the moment? Uh, Yes. Three days, day off two days day off yeah and then on the on the on days are you training a couple times per day um usually not um again my coach is really big on not doing um like a big pool session and a gym session in the same day like right. yeah we're trying to I guess ensure that I'm well rested for every session and so that I can give 110 percent every session mm-hmm. um but I guess yes if if I didn't work full time I I'm I, I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I'm always having this um, discussion with my coach about I want to do more. I want to be able to fit in this many of like this discipline because there's four disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to train this many times and do this X many times a week. And he's like, you can't. Like you, if, yeah, if, if the situation was different and I worked part-time, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. but you just can't manage. You have to be realistic. Yeah, I like that sense of balance. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. 
Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein, like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year and in combination with eating quality protein 
and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, I know I cut you off earlier when you were describing what free diving is, but tell us what the four disciplines are. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Four disciplines in pool, um, four disciplines in depth as well, really. Um, So in the pool, there is dynamic monofin, which is like the big mermaid tail, and you do a dolphin kick with your arms in streamline. Um, So that's for distance. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there's dynamic with bifin. So they're the two long flippers, again, for distance. Mm -hmm. Then the third dynamic discipline is no fins, and it's kind of like a modified breaststroke, so just not breathing, I guess. Um, and are you fully submerged? During fully. That of, okay. Yeah. So we wear weights around our oh, neck okay. and or waist to keep us neutrally buoyant. So we sort of sit in the middle, not at the bottom and not at the top of the pool. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth pool discipline is uh, static apnea, which is the literally if someone saw you, they'd probably think you were dead floating on the surface <laughs> of, the, of the water. Um, and then in the in the in depth competitions, um, so similar um, constant weight monofin. So that's going down with the monofin mermaid tail. Yeah. Um, constant weight bifins with the two flippers going down. Yeah. Then there's free immersion, which is um, so no fins, and there's a line, and you're using your arms to pull yourself down. To the bottom plate mm-hmm. and then the fourth one what am I forgetting no fins as well so um constant weight no fins like breaststroke yeah and I was watching one of your videos this morning where you did 157 meters with I think monofin is that I fins I, I think I think that Sorry. must have been my first competition that I did yeah by right. I don't know how I found that one but that's the that's the, what came off when I googled you this morning yeah okay and yep. what I was wondering is like as you know as a swimmer I think we all have this experience as kids like in the pool of like let's see who can hold their breath the longest or swim to the other side with holding I wondered like how do you decide when you're gonna come up you know, like, do you know, okay, do you get signals that are like, okay, I'm done here, (laughs) you know, and, and what are those signals and what signals do you ignore? And then how do you know when to breathe? Yeah, that's the secret question. Um, (laughs) And it's something that you have to, you you have to learn by experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, when I started, like I mentioned, I had that swimmer's mentality, very good at pushing through pain, blocking out, not that we, we don't feel pain, but discomfort, I should say, mm-hmm. um, but very good at blocking stuff out. So when I get to that point where it, it felt hard and I was having contractions or it was feeling uncomfortable, you know, I'd be like, suck it up, Jordan, Go, like keep going, keep pushing. Mm-hmm. And you can't, that's, that's how it ends in a, in a blackout. So mm. you have to really tune in is the, the only way I can explain it. And when I was um, 
trying to um, learn what my signals were and my signs to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, at the beginning of my dive, I had to say to myself, all right, Jordan, you've got to tune in. You need to feel everything. You need to feel all the discomfort and feel everything so that you know when you need to come up. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's different for each freediver. Like some people talk about getting tunnel vision. Um, some people might lose their like hearing. Um, for me, I guess it's kind of indescribable, but definitely if I'm like right on the edge, I'll start to feel a little tingly or something. And then I know like I've got to get up quickly, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's a fine balance with, um, with depth uh, they before they do their dive, they have to set a, a target depth. And so there's a plate at that depth and they can't go any deeper than that. Right. Whereas, because like they've got to go down and then still get back up. Mm-hmm. But whereas in the pool, there's no set distance. So you can go as far as you want, but I, I guess, yeah, you're a lot closer to the surface to come up. Right. So interesting. <laughs> do you, okay. I'm going to ask about sort of being a woman in free diving, you know, do you feel like it's a pretty gender equal sport and do you, or do sponsorships come as easily to women as men? Um, does the TV, does the media cover the women as much as men? Yeah. So yeah, I guess um, I think it's changed a lot in the last few years um, coming out of COVID the elite women freedivers are really strong and they're catching up to the men. So, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They're, they're not that far behind anymore. Um, it's still, it's still male dominated. Um, but I definitely think it's getting better in Australia. We, we don't get any media coverage for freediving. <laughs> right. um, as far as I'm aware we don't get, no, I don't think anyone gets financial assistance, like actual pay um, yeah. for sponsorships. Um, but overseas, like in Europe, definitely there are some freedivers who who live, like they don't work. Um, they, they, they're a professional freediver and they do that yeah. full time. Lucky yeah. them. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's definitely a lot better now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I associate free diving with women. I'm not sure why. I think maybe my because my entry point was was a documentary about a female. But I don't, honestly, I don't remember much about it. But I, I, it was at least ten years ago about a female yeah. free diver. So I just yeah. associate, and maybe it's like kind of like the mermaid connotation yeah. that, I, yeah. that I have with yeah. it or whatever. Um, there are so. some iconic female free divers and just like super strong, really insp- inspiring. Um, women at the moment mm-hmm. and you speaking of sponsorship you and feisty media have a, a sponsor in common orca um do you you use their products yes i do yeah mm-hmm. so um i have been wearing orca wetsuits pretty much all of this year um it would have been sooner than that we started chatting about this time last year maybe a little earlier and they let me know that they, you know, they wanted to work together and they wanted to get me their new line of freedive wetsuits to wear, which is the Orca Zen and the Orca Mantra. Um, but I think originally it was meant to be launched in January or February and then it got pushed back to May. So I ended up buying one of the older model um, Orca Free wetsuits at that point. So I was wearing that and I, I actually 
I love that wetsuit and I wore it yesterday and it's just got a hole in it after 12 months. Oh yeah. After all this time. And I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I, I'm, I broke my most recent two dynamic records in the Orca um, free and then the Orca Zen. Oh, cool. Okay. And what are those two records? Uh, so the, uh, the first one was uh, dynamic monofin. Mm-hmm. Um, so 209 meters. Wow. And okay. then um, the second one was dynamic biofins, uh, 200 meters. So monofins typically people can do a little bit further. It's a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, I can't even imagine that with any fin, <laughs> you know, yeah. going that far, far holding your breath. That's pretty, are they, do you train to actually, cause I know like, you know, when you're actually moving in the water, you're using oxygen to to create that movement, right? Do you actually train to move more efficiently? Yeah. So this is an interesting question because obviously if you have nice technique, Mm -hmm. it uses less energy. Um, But I try and I try and have this conversation with my coach all the time because I I want to have perfect technique. I and my, my coach says, no, you've your technique's good, it's beautiful. Um, and he says, because we're not moving fast, we're going slow, technique doesn't matter so much. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting one, but I, I would rather have a beautiful technique. Um yeah, no, I totally I just it's something that I think about when I'm I'm just thinking of my the last time I did a hold your breath competition with a friend at the pool and <laughs> thinking like the only thing I was thinking about was like how efficient I am doing my whatever underwater thing I was doing to try to get to the other side you know? yeah and I, I guess um I wouldn't call it technique per se with the static discipline but definitely like the more relaxed you are the, the longer you're going to be able to hold your breath mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and so for the, for our audience, you know, what are some of the things that you've learned through free diving that you would, that you apply in your everyday life and that you would suggest for others? I guess it sounds really cliche, but for me is just being more in the present moment, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. being here right now. You know, what, what do you feel? What's, what's around you? Mm-hmm. Not thinking about rushing to get to work what's next that kind of thing I think also and I I definitely don't make enough time or not any time really but the power of the breath um just yeah just slow breathing and it just it slows your heart rate and the interesting thing that I've found is in a before a competition dive if I'm nervous which I'm always nervous, um, and my heart could be pounding and going 100 mile an hour. But if I can control my breathing and keep that kind of, you know, normal, then it doesn't really affect my dive that much. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How like loads of things come back to breathing, right? Yeah, exactly. If, if we can breathe well and center ourselves, then it can help with so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, free diving has given me a lot. It's yeah, it's given me a lot of joy. It's you know, given me my health back and the people that I've met and um, you know, like-minded people all over the world who share this common passion. And generally, most people are pretty supportive. It's it's really nice community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how do you like decide what your next goals are? Oh, this is a tough one for next year for twenty twenty three. Um, for the last two years, so 
every year at the end of the year, I write down my goals for the next year, freediving and otherwise. And for my first two years of freediving, I kind of knew what I wanted to achieve. But for 2023, I don't really have specific distances or times in mind. I just want to do, I want to better myself. Um, but my my big, big goal is to go to Pool World Championships in June. Um, I was invited to go this year in 2022. I finished in the top 10 in the Bifins discipline, but I just, I couldn't really afford to go. Um, and at the time, COVID was still a bit uncertain. There were a few reasons, but it was mostly financial, I guess. Um, so I'm really hoping that I can get a financial sponsor to help me um, get to Pool World Championships 2023. It's in South Korea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Cool. How, how big is, how competitive are the world championships? Like how many people will be there in each of the categories and how do you qualify? It's, it's getting bigger. I, I wish I had a figure. So I, in, um, in October, I had the opportunity to go to Turkey, um, Turkey and commentate the depth world champions, depth world championships there. And they had 140 athletes, which was the, the, the largest ever depth world championship. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, pool, there's more. Pool's, pool's a bigger um, competition. And in regard to qualifying, each country kind of has their own um, criteria, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I actually spoke about this the other day. But so, for example, Italy their qualifier is that athletes have to do 90% or more of the world record. So they only take the most elite elite. Like no one no one in Australia would qualify under that criteria. Uh-huh. Um, we're just, in Australia, we're just talking about that at the moment because we've never really had a situation where there's been more people wanting to go than, you know, spots available. We've never had to select. Mm-hmm. But I think this in 2023 it will be the case so I think they're looking at maybe taking the top three ranked athletes for each discipline male and female and then maybe leaving a couple of additional spots open not sure how um, they'll determine or select those three mm-hmm. but yeah all, all different sort of criteria across across the world right amazing well, thank you, Jordan. I just want to wish you good luck for everything in, in 2023. And thank you for sharing your story with Bulimia and how you worked your way out of that. Um, really appreciate it and appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, 
a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedes has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tafosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tafosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tafosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you.